The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to the Sox Machine Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Nelson, and we hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend holiday, as unfortunately, a lot of us have to go back to the daily grind. That also counts for Major League Baseball teams, as we are just a few days away from the winter meetings, which will be held in San Diego again this year. Everyone will arrive on Sunday, December 4th, and hopefully we get a lot of breaking news until that Wednesday, December 7th. But we do have a free agent signing to discuss for the White Sox on this episode. At the end, we'll also talk about a trade idea for Liam Hendricks that if it were actually offered, it might be too good to pass up for the White Sox. So let's get started. Joining me is the managing editor of SoxMachine.com, it's Jim Margulis, and hello, Jim. A lot of people went shopping on Black Friday. Today is Cyber Monday, and it appears the White Sox are shopping for a new starting pitcher. As Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic tweeted that the former Cleveland and San Diego starting pitcher Mike Clevenger is joining the White Sox. What we don't know is for how much and for how long. MLB Network's John Morosi tweeted that it's at least $8 million guaranteed. That's what we know at the moment of this recording. So, Jim, first impressions of Mike Clevenger coming to the White Sox. The first impressions are not great, but it more has to do with the White Sox history and the order in which they roll out these signings that shouldn't be counted on to provide a huge impact uh, and yet somehow have to carry an outsized amount of the expectations uh, in production based on what they do the rest of the winter. So I guess, how do you want to start? Do you want to start with Clevenger himself or with how he fits with the White Sox or what we think the White Sox are going to do? Let's look at it from a White Sox perspective. Why are they targeting Mike Clevenger? Well, I think part of it is 
they're only interested in a pitcher for one year. Uh, you know, they, they don't really, they have an idea of what they need from a rotation spot this year. Next year may be different with Lucas Giolito, depending on what happens with him, uh, what happens with Michael Kopech, what happens with various pitchers and their system and so forth. Um, so they might not want to overinvest in a 30-something pitcher if they want to get younger, if they want to make a trade, or if they want to maybe extend Dylan Cease, if they want to pony up to do that. So I think they're a year away from a major reckoning, especially like say if Lance Lynn comes off the books and they don't want to pick up his options. So there are a lot of question marks for the White Sox rotation next year. And I'll be writing about that this week, I think. But for the time being, I think they just don't want to overinvest into a rotation that might be different. And all of a sudden it's like a James Shield situation to where like, oh, we have to pay this guy way more money than he's worth for rotation that he does not fit in anymore. Or like that does not carry his original motive uh, anymore for his, his purpose of being. So I think, they had a certain uh, parameter that they were working within for like commitments, either years or dollars. And so if Clevenger they thought was the best that they could find for that combination of years and dollars, and, you know, he would want to take the White Sox money to pitch in a high standards rotation, I think we can call it. It's like Clevenger can't like take a month and a half to get in the game shape. We saw what happened with uh, Dallas Keuchel last year. Like there are certain mm -hmm. ramifications for pitching poorly in the White Sox rotation. If there are some, uh, if there's some competition, like if Davis Martin looks like he looked last year, like you know, Clevenger isn't guaranteed a spot. So it's not the softest of spots, you know, so Clevenger has to pitch well and the White Sox need a guy who can pitch well, but also like they don't want to overcommit and maybe go to two to three years for a pitcher who might not be worth it in that third year. So that might leave a limited amount of pool of, of players and Clevenger is a guy who still could use one good year to uh, launch himself into a better contract situation so in one way it's out of order and you don't really want to pick up your fifth starter with your first move and maybe take a, a big chunk out of the available money you had going into free agency but if you can isolate the decision itself I think you have a situation where like okay here's a guy here's the best pitcher or the pitcher we like the most of this pool of players that we heard back from that would take this amount of money. And we're just going to act on it because situation where we might need more from Mike Clevenger than a number five starter. We might need him to be a number four or a number three at times. So this is the guy we feel is best equipped to do that. Are they going to be right? I don't know, but uh, they do have some recent feathers in their caps with, uh, with Carlos Rodon, who was their own guy, but Johnny Cueto, who was not. So, you know, perhaps, you know, Ethan Katz has something on Clevenger that he feels he can work with. They have a full offseason, a full healthy offseason to work with Clevenger uh, that they did not have last year, both with the uh, lockout and with Clevenger's own injury. Like, you know, he's in a spot where he can use a full offseason to maybe work on some things. So there is a little bit of, uh, you know, blind faith to have to work with, but I can understand the motivations for signing Clevenger himself. So let's look at the positives of Mike Clevenger coming to the Chicago White Sox. He made 22 starts in 2022, coming off his second Tommy John surgery. Something to note, only 47 Major League pitchers have had Tommy John surgery twice and pitched again in the league. Hundreds have had the surgery. Only 47 have had the surgery twice. So this is a very small group that Mike Levenger is part of. In his first 10 appearances of the 2022 season, Clevenger had a solid start. He had a 3.5 ERA for the San Diego Padres. Clevenger was also great against the White Sox during our meetup event out in San Diego. And 
if Mike Clevenger gets extra rest from this past season, he actually pitched well for the Padres. When the Padres gave him five days of rest instead of four, he had a 3.35 ERA in nine starts, and he averaged more than five innings per start coming off the second Tommy John surgery. When he was given six days of rest, that ERA shrunk to 2.9, and again, he averaged five innings per start. So those are the positives of Mike Clevenger, what he could possibly provide to the White Sox. And, you know, with the Padres, it's just not Clevenger, Jim. The Padres have dealt with numerous injuries to their pitching staff Mm -hmm. in the last couple of years. Can the White Sox afford to give Mike Clevenger extra days of rest because of him coming off the second Tommy John surgery? And this situation is different from Johnny Cueto, where maybe they abused Johnny Cueto a little bit uh, because he's such a workhorse and they could, he was just so dependable. Just give him the ball and he'll give you six innings. And he did it gladly. Whereas Clevenger, you really can't count on him being a workhorse, but what you might be aiming for is just maximum effectiveness over five innings. I think the hope is that this last year with San Diego, his first year back from, as you mentioned, his second Tommy John surgery, that was the year to baby him back. And, you know, Clevenger had a a number of things that were uh, off with him last year. You know, that's one thing that makes it hard to judge him from like, you know, first half versus second half or first half of his workload versus the back half of his workload. Like his, his season was delayed by a knee sprain and then he had COVID and then he had a tricep strain, a mild one that cost him some time. But so he was babied here and there and he pitched in relief one game. You know, it wasn't until like late June to where he had like a normal pitcher's workload. Like he barely pitched in the first half with a normal workload. So like, I'm, I'm not inclined to say like he was great in the first half and then the workload caught up to him or he was, you know, just a, a case where, you know, the, the league or the National League figured him out or he had a new pitch mix that was figured out like he was trying to work through a bunch of different things and that can be a uh, a bad thing and that like uh oh there there's really no body of work to you know look upon and say like that worked for him go with that there's also a case where just like the you know kind of like Michael Kopech that discussion like the important thing was getting innings whatever shape they took whatever you know whatever lumps he had to absorb the you know, the key was that he just kept taking the ball and getting out there and this was the year that he just had to do that next year will be better so I I think there's a little bit of both and you can argue both sides and you might argue that you know it's not great having two of those guys in one rotation but I think that's what I'm looking at here you know there there are some things with this pitch mix that you know he was trying to uh, incorporate a sinker later in the year and the thing with the sinker uh, that I found interesting was first you know I looked at the ground ball rate and that didn't change so it's not like he was going for ground balls over strikeouts because the strikeouts dried up so I looked at Statcast and they said like oh he's he's throwing like nearly 20% sinkers and I looked at uh, pitch info which is baseball prospectus Brooks baseball and they said that the sinker is only throwing 13% the time and that might not sound like a huge difference in terms of you know the the percentage like 18 or 19 to 13 it's uh but that is the difference between his second pitch and a third pitch and a distant third pitch uh, so, you know, this case where like, is he sinker slider? Is he fastball sinker? Is he like, you know, kind of running and changing speeds with it? We don't really know. And, you know, I don't know if Clevenger really knows if it was kind of like a kitchen sink approach versus like what's working right now. The thing with Clevenger is just like, 
I don't know. You know, it's a case where like, you know, that, that's where I think you have to go back to the idea of was it just a matter of getting innings and getting back, you know, on the mound after so much time off? That's that's I think, you know, kind of what I'm wrestling with here and what, you know, I'm, I'm going back to the Ethan Katz thing. And, you know, I do, you know, that it brings back memories of Coop will fix them. And when Coop stopped fixing them and I don't necessarily like giving, you know, Ethan Katz blind products and saying, he can fix him because, you know, he's still relatively new to the role. But if the White Sox have few projects this year and everybody else, you know, Ethan Katz knows them, uh, you know, knows what they have to work on, knows what they struggled with, what their strengths are, you know, has their phone number, has their pitching coaches or, you know, kind of like trainers phone numbers or their gyms, you know, can, can drop in like he has an established rapport with them. So. He's not dropping, well, we don't know, can't say this for sure yet, but like, you know, in the case of like, you know, Vince Velasquez, he's not like getting a new pitcher who needs a lot of work and then gets like an abbreviated ramp up period to work with him. Like this should be a normal situation where he doesn't have too many other pitchers on his to-do list to where like, yeah, give it a shot. But uh, that's why, you know, when it comes to evaluating this move, I really want to know what the rest of the offseason looks like before I really light into it or say like, oh, this is, is a disaster because like one, you know, could turn out to be like Cueto-ish or uh, Rodon-ish to where like my fears are unfounded or, you know, they're slightly realized, but overwhelmed by all the good. Or it could be a case where like, you know, he doesn't make a difference and they really could have used those resources elsewhere. So that's why I, you know, before I, I feel like, really launching into this one way or another. We really have to know what the whites, what else the White Sox did with their resources to really know like what kind of priority it was. And in the end, was he the best use of resources or the best they could have done with one year and 10-ish million, depending on what they gave them, uh, based on who else signed for what and who else they got to solve their positions of need. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, but coming up next, we're going to continue our analysis of the White Sox signing Mike Clevenger to the rotation and a breakdown of a trade idea from the athletic that involves Liam Hendricks to the New York Yankees next on the Sox machine podcast. The holidays are approaching, so it's time to start thinking about what you're going to gift your loved ones. And if you're looking for something to get even the hardest to shop for, Look no further with a personalized coffee subscription from Trade Coffee. Trade Coffee is a coffee subscription service that makes it so simple to discover new coffees and make your best cup of coffee at home every day. As Trade partners with the nation's top-rated independent roasters to send you coffee, they know you'll love fresh to your home and on your preferred schedule. Whether you already know what you like or you're new to specialty coffee and need some help, Trade makes it easy and convenient to discover new coffees. For example, for me, I'm brand new into drinking coffee every single day, and I enjoy getting the package from Trade. It comes in this red bag, and I always get excited to see what new blends that Trade sends me. And we have a coffee maker at home, and they grind the beans for me, but we now have a bean grinder, so if I want to order whole beans, I can get that as well. And we have the Socks Machine collection of coffees that you could check out as there's coffee roasters from all over the country, part of the collection, at drinktrade.com slash Socks Machine and Trade Coffee is a great gift idea, especially if you are tired of giving gift cards to Amazon, etc. Because you don't know what to buy someone. But if you have someone in your life that you have to get a gift for and they love coffee, a Trade Coffee subscription is a great idea. As they make it easy with their digital gifting options for last minute shoppers. 
to specify for their coffee or even their equipment bundles for something under the tree. So treat yourself or the coffee lover in your life with Trade Coffee. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off a subscription and access to a limited time holiday specials at drinktrade.com slash socks machine. That's drinktrade.com slash socks machine for $30 off. Again, visit drinktrade.com slash socks machine. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Sox Machine Podcast. All right, so we went through the White Sox thought process of signing Mike Clevenger, what the positives are of signing Mike Clevenger, but now let's examine what the landmines could be for Mike Clevenger. And while you just mentioned before, we took a moment for our sponsors, Jim, that we need to see the rest of the White Sox offseason for things to make sense, or at least for this signing to make sense. It reminds me of last year when the White Sox signed Kendall Graveman, which was around this time in 2021. And the first thought in my mind was, why? And then we saw the rest of the offseason play out, and I was even more dumbfounded on why Kendall Graveman was the first signing before the lockout in Major League Baseball for the Chicago White Sox. They did follow that up with signing Lurie Garcia to a three-year deal, which has not caused any complications whatsoever. Here are my concerns with Mike Clevenger. The second Tommy John surgery. So I mentioned that as a positive, that he's one of the few that's been able to bounce back and actually pitch. It is a huge red flag. And I'm seeing way too much of this for the White Sox fans, especially on social media, thinking that Mike Clevenger of the Cleveland days is joining the White Sox. I don't think that is what's going to happen because we've seen the velocity go down. His slider effectiveness has also go down, has went down and you can see this in StatCast. It's just not effective. You speak with people in San Diego that watched every Clevenger start and they have huge concerns that he may be toast. And this is something we're going to have to pay attention to is that even though he's just 31 years old, this is Clevenger's second Tommy John surgery, and it just feels like the right elbow is giving out on him. So that is a bit of a ticking time bomb. From last year, and I think it stems from now his second Tommy John surgery, you have a times through the order penalty problem, and you have a pitch count effectiveness problem with Clevenger. First time through the order last year, very good for Clevenger. 
178 batting average against, 249 on base percentage against, 339 slugging. That's really good. Second time through the order, 246 batting average, 304 on base percentage, slugging 389. That's good. Third time through the order, 306 batting average, 407 on base percentage, 625 slugging. That's Dallas Keuchel. So you don't want Clevenger to face an order a third time through the order in his current state. The pitch count effectiveness. First 25 pitches. Batters have a 605 OPS against him. That's really good. 26 to the 50th pitch. They have a 642 OPS. That's really good. Pitch 51 to 75. 810 OPS. Not great. Beyond 76 pitches. It's a 921 OPS. We're back to Dallas Keuchel territory. And I mentioned when he's given extra days of rest, when he gets five and six days of rest, if he gets normal rest for a starting pitcher, which is four days of rest, his ERA is 6.82 last year in seven starts, and he didn't even average five innings. Mike Clevenger, Jim, is a boom or bust signing. And I have to say that the bust potential is pretty high here for Clevenger. Not only just is in terms of health, but I am concerned about what type of pitcher he is now after the second Tommy John surgery. And mapping out as far as his first starts with the White Sox in the 2023 season, if he's the fifth starter, he's going to get those extra days of rest. But come May and come June, he's going to be back to the four days of rest in between starts. And that is where... We're really going to have to zero in on the adjustments that he has made with Ethan Katz just to understand if he could buck these trends in the San Diego Padres. Because based on these numbers, what it would tell me from an analysis standpoint is replace Vince Velasquez with Mike Clevenger. Because if you want the best from Mike Clevenger, only have him throw 50 pitches. Because anything after that might be too much stress on his arm and it impacts just how effective he is as a major league pitcher. The thing about Clevenger, like his breakout, like where he's yeah, a, a Cy Young uh, potential, you know, and when, when the Padres thought they were getting like a frontline starter, his fastball velocity ticked up to 95, in mid-95, 96. And that was, that, that was a difference maker in terms of him going from like a number three to a number two or number one. However, like before that breakout league, like he had a couple good years where he was throwing like 93, 94 and the slider was a really good pitch for him. And so he, he, he wasn't like this superstar on velocity alone. So there is the case where like, even if his velocity fell back down to, you know, 93, 94, he has shown the ability to work with that. He did like hang a lot of sliders this year, like his slider got hammered and it seemed like he threw some good ones, but also threw like a lot of spinners. So maybe there's something that the White Sox see that can, you know, the one weird fix, uh, one, one simple trick to getting your slider back. Not unheard of, uh, not, not crazy to think that, you know, maybe he's not going to be the, the strikeout monster he was before, but better. But but somebody who can clearly be like a number four in a rotation and anything, you know, if if Michael Kopech is back to being the worst starter, great. So I think those are the positives to send this back to a negative column. Uh, you mentioned Kendall Graveman. The signing it reminded me of was Adam Eaton, like jumping the market to sign this guy. Like, all right. 
uh, is he going to get in the way of other signings? Yes. Yep. Oh, great. <laughs> so that's kind of what, that's my fear with, with uh, the signing. So that's why I want to wait to see. And you know, Rick Hahn loves his, they said they'd never blah, 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 or they didn't think we could blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm going to invite Rick Hahn to, uh, they said we'd never let a $10 million signing or a major, you know, uh, an eight figure contract in November, December, get in the way of more important tasks in December, January, and the rest of the offseason. So I'm going to throw that down as a challenge right now when it comes to free agency for Rick Hahn. But that's, I think, you know, just what it reminds you of is like if Mike Clevenger was signed last, kind of like Edwin Encarnacion for the DH spots, mm-hmm. didn't work out, but like for the signings for the players left, for the money they had, like wasn't a bad risk they took, just didn't work out. Okay, kind of the same thing with Clevenger. If he were on the market and the White Sox signed him in this deal, which we can assume is like one year, eight to 10 million-ish, I'd understand it. So if the White Sox can reverse engineer an offseason to where like Clevenger takes that kind of priority or like the the amount of risk and just happen to be the first move done, okay. So that's why I really want to wait to see how the rest of the offseason forms around it. But yeah, just like everything Clevenger... Uh, did in 2022 suggests that he's a pitcher who needs to be babied. So to your point, it does feel like a Vince Velasquez, like hope for a hundred innings and see if he can make those a hundred innings as effective as possible. But uh, you know, when it comes to Davis Martin, you know, if Davis Martin didn't have the last start that he had and he exited with the bicep issue, like, I think we'd feel better about Davis Martin stepping in to be like, okay, he's, he's cushioned for mm-hmm. if Kopech and or Clevenger can't or may I should say or Clevenger can't deliver and then you hope somebody else or another signing is able to step in so that's I think where I hope other figures on the roster or figures to come on the roster can mitigate some of the risk but yeah I think when you look at this roster as currently constructed and you're looking at him as a Johnny Cueto replacement uh, we've seen Johnny Cueto and he's not Johnny Cueto at least based on his body of work, because Cueto's problem was health, but in a different way than Clevenger's problem is health, because Cueto, when healthy, was effective enough for the job the White Sox signed him to do. It was just more of a matter of availability. Clevenger has availability, but also towards the end of his year last year, started giving up homers and bunches, and that wasn't necessarily health. If we were in late January, early February, and this news came out, I think I'd be more on board. You know, this bloated-ass payroll is a self-inflected problem for the White Sox. And, you know, maybe Clevenger does follow Carlos Serdan and Johnny Cueto and having a tremendous bounce-back season. It's just that his numbers with San Diego last year are not very encouraging. And while you will hear many say, well, Clevenger looked pretty good against the White Sox, <laughs> well, let's put in the tape of the National League Championship Series, shall we? And see in just how he looked against the Philadelphia Phillies. Because we may see a lot of that in 2023 if these adjustments working with Ethan Katz do not take hold. And the problem I have with Mike Clevenger, and this is from a White Sox perspective, Mm -hmm. you don't have the starting pitching depth to sign someone that could be an injury risk like Clevenger. You need a workhorse. Because you already have an injury concern with Michael Kopech because your pitching coach a couple weeks ago just said that his progress with rehab is not going at the speed that they were thinking. And they're hoping Kopech 
could throw five innings at the end of spring training, but that's still an unknown. Mm-hmm. So your White Sox starting rotation is Scion candidate, maybe a Scion candidate in Lance Lynn. I have no idea which version of Lucas Giolito we're getting. And Michael Kopech and Mike Clevenger, which might be in the same boat. These guys might be very similar uh, as far as pitchers, but Kopech still has more electric stuff, better fastball velocity, better slider metrics than Clevenger does at the moment. And you still have Sean Manaya, Jose Quintana, Chris Bassett, Corey Kluber, Jamison Tyon, Taiwan Walker, even Johnny Cueto is still available in free agency. I would need to hear from Ethan Katz to make me feel better about this signing because I am seeing a disconnect here. I just view signing Mike Clevenger, while there is boom potential, and I do recognize that, I just look at the risk, and if there were three or four pitching prospects the White Sox had in Charlotte that were ready, if the White Sox had three or four Davis Martins, then yeah, go for the ceiling. Mm -hmm. But they don't. And that is where the follow-up question to Rick Hahn would be, great, you signed Mike Clevenger. How else are you going to be adding to the starting pitching depth because you will need it in 2023? Yeah, I mean, and there are ways he can do that. Like, I think, you know, from here, it seems like they need some, yeah, it might be hard for them to sign another starter uh, that you would expect to step into the opening day roster. But if they can sign some, you know, and I don't want to say Vince Velasquez again, because that's really, you know, boring slash dreadful. And people say like, oh, but I mean, like Vince Velasquez types who are happy to be, you know, have a major league job uh, in a case where like a guaranteed a spot in roster for a team that has ambition and he might be able to work himself into something better or some non-roster invitees that might be interesting. Some, some, you know, pitchers perhaps from overseas, you know, the, the KBO or NPB that just might have, you know, they might have some interesting video on them. They just need some candidates. Charlotte right now does not have candidates. We've talked about it before. Like Charlotte is probably a hard place to sell a pitcher on to be on the fringe or on the cusp of being a, a call up because Charlotte can make a pitcher's numbers look bad in a hurry. But uh, I think that's a challenge right here is just amassing those guys who can be like, okay, if Clevenger doesn't work out or if Kopeck doesn't work out, here are some guys who throw 94, 95 and just might need one tweak to get through five innings and, and, and might be okay. Like they're just missing those guys right now that I think would make this feel a whole lot better. Like I'm thinking like the way we referred to Jonathan Stever or Jimmy Lambert a couple years ago, like they need a couple more of those guys, mm-hmm. I think to make this rotation feel a little bit more sure or a little bit more uh, insulated from total disaster. And there is a way for the White Sox to do that. So that's why I'm not like, you know, ringing all the alarm bells yet. But, you know, it is worth bringing up because like this is a case too where I should bring up that in 2020, the White Sox apparently were trying hard to acquire Clevenger. Uh, and they, they acquired Lance or they wanted to acquire Lance Lynn that same off season. They found the uh, price too high on Lynn and they felt like Cleveland just had no interest uh, in dealing Clevenger within the division and could get like a, a sufficient uh, price outside the division. And it turned out the Padres gave them plenty. So the like, White Sox wouldn't want to compete with that. But, you know, this could be a case where they love the guy for a while and you just hope that they love the guy or like the guy that they see now and not that the guy that they love since 2018 
and might not be there anymore. I think that's my concern. Because you look at that, that, you know, the fascinating thing too, Ken Rosenthal said that reported back in 2020 that the White Sox were talking to the you know, Guardians about Clevenger, then the Indians about Clevenger. And, you know, they felt like they were being used as a stalking horse um, and just trying to kind of maybe inflate the asking price for other teams. And other teams said that the, the White Sox were going to send Michael Kopech to... Uh, Cleveland if any deal were realized and Kopech had opted out of that year so like he wasn't pitching kind of like the Nick Magical situation for Craig Kimbrell like may as well trade a player who's not going to contribute this year to uh, get a guy who can help and get that extra bonus the fascinating thing is you look at that Cleveland deal now and that's a disaster for San Diego they gave up it was Clevenger, Greg Allen, and a player to be named later who was Matt Waldron uh, to San Diego for Cal Quantrill, Owen Miller, Josh Naylor, Austin Hedges, and Gabriel Arias. And then another pitcher I can't remember, but he's not in the majors yet, but not, not quite close, but you know, interesting, but not quite there. Arias struggled last year. So, but I mean, like even then, that's like four major league contributors, mm-hmm. uh, guys with plenty of team control. Quantrill looks like a perfect Clevenger replacement. Uh you know, Miller's a helpful player. Naylor, we've seen what he can do as yep. White Sox fans. So, like, trying to picture what the White Sox would have given up. Like, you know, they they dodged disaster once if Clevenger's arm was about to fall off. So you just hope that they're not walking back into a disaster by placing so much responsibility on him. You hope that they're buying low and not just buying flat. Like, just, just buying, like, uh, buying low that's staying low. Yeah, again, we're recording this. We don't know what the contract is. We don't know what the terms are. So if it's like a one-year, $8 million for 2023, if there is a club option for the 2024 season where there's a 2 to $3 million buyout, okay, that's that's easy to swallow. That buyout is probably going to get bought out in 2024, and that's how Clevenger still makes his $10, 11000000 million from the Chicago White Sox, but at least the creative payroll, the creative accounting for the White Sox may limit Clevenger's salary to just $8 million, or they could even have incentives as well as far as how many innings that Clevenger hits in 2023. That might be worthwhile as well. I think the best case scenario, or good goals, I should say, best case scenario would be Mike Clevenger wins the Cy Young. I think (laughs) a good goal is if you can get 25 starts out of Clevenger and he covers 125 innings. If he can do that, then sure, he fulfilled a number five starting pitcher need. He's going to have to do that because, again, for the White Sox perspective, they do not have the starting pitching depth at the moment to be able to handle if Clevenger becomes injury prone again. They just don't have it. Right now, it's Davis Martin. And it's Sean Burke who pitched in double A. That's it. They don't have enough starting pitchers in their farm system to even fill out the triple A roster. I think our concerns are not so much with Clevenger. We know what Clevenger could do. And I'm curious to know what adjustments he'll make in the offseason working with Ethan Katz. The criticism is directed at the White Sox front office again. And it's more along the lines of, are you absolutely sure this is the direction you want to go? understanding and where your team is in the present. It's self-defense. I would say it's criticism as a defense mechanism. It's, oh no, I've seen this before. 
yeah, it, it's that, that's I think what you, you have to separate. It's it's almost like a a prophylactic measure, just like. You, you, I, I can't allow myself to try to buy into Clevenger because it might be all, he might be the off season or like he might be the main, uh, you know, the, the biggest addition they make financially and the rest are trades and, and robbing Peter to pay Paul and so forth and so on. So that's what you have to be on guard against. And you have to prescribe that a little bit as the foreseeable future, just because the White Sox have fallen into that trap kind of two winters in a row. So that's why I think, you know, it's, this is why I think it's more negative than I think a Mike Clevenger signing in a vacuum uh, would deserve. Yeah, that's that's why I'm trying to separate because, like, you know, there is a chance because, you know, there are some rumored discussions. You know, Bruce Levine mentioned Colton Wong as a uh, player the White Sox are interested in, and that, that could make second base look a lot better. And then all of a sudden, you know, if he costs, like, the Jansen junk mm-hmm. price that we talked about before, like a, a starter who might not be a starter, fine. The White Sox might have those guys. Like, they kind of have Jimmy Lambert, you know, if, if, they, if they like Jimmy Lambert that much. That's kind of what you're talking about there. That's, I think, a case where, like, okay, that's... Clevenger looks a little bit better now. So I think that's kind of how we're going to have to... Look at it like Clevenger is, you know, Clevenger makes the offseason right now like a D, uh, but the grade can rise. You know, like Clevenger is not enough to wreck the curve or completely like sandbag a grade. You know, th- that's, I think, how you have to look at it. Just like it, right now it sets the bar pretty low, but he can be he can be dragged upward like, you know, other signings can can boost him up. He's more like a a, a complimentary signing than a main course. And. We're just used to like all of a sudden being like, that was it. I'm still hungry. Like, the, you know, it, it, we've been to those restaurants mm-hmm. like, oh, you didn't tell me it was small plates. Uh, I came to eat. So that's, I think, what we're looking at here. Yeah. Again, Kendall Graveman signing. Just wait for the rest of the offseason. Next big signing was Joe Kelly. Yeah, it's got to get better than this. And again, that's not on Mike Clevenger. That's on the White Sox front office. So hopefully the White Sox front office, they're not done. They add Colton Juan. That is already a better progress from last offseason in addressing the position player needs. But we'll see what they do. But right now, uh, for the White Sox, I, I think if this is the best that they could do based on the parameters that Jim laid out earlier in the show, let's see what Ethan Katz could do with Mike Clevenger. And hopefully Mike Clevenger follows in the footsteps of Carlos Rodon and Johnny Cueto because that would be a big help. Uh, but the White Sox front office cannot be done after the Mike Clevenger signing. And with that being said, a trade idea. This is where we'll end the show. And this comes from Chris Kirshner of The Athletic. He helps cover the New York Yankees for them. And he wrote a column about how the Yankees could have the best offseason this year. Now, it includes signing both Aaron Judge and Brandon Nemo, which, yeah, the Yankees could do that because they're the Yankees. But one idea from him that it caught my attention is his proposal, the Yankees trading for Liam Hendricks. Now, in Kirshner's proposal, he pitches the idea that the Yankees send second baseman Glaber Torres and pitcher Clark Schmidt in exchange for Hendricks. Jim, what do you think of this trade idea? It's a really good one because on one hand, it feels like, oh, that's too much for Hendricks. And then you think like, oh, I kind of feel like I've seen this before with uh, Nick Swisher, Jeff Marquez, uh, Wilson Bedemitz. Oh, no. So uh, 
you know, just with the Yankees kind of having a good idea of how to evaluate their talent. And, and generally speaking, they're good at, you know, seeing other teams players pretty well. Um, I would have some distrust there, but we've seen the ceiling on Hendricks, which I think, um, you know, mitigate some of the risk, but it does give the White Sox what they need in terms of like a second baseman and one of those extra starters we're talking about. Like Schmidt is not quite a fifth starter himself, but he's somebody who like, if he were to hold down a fifth starter job for a majority of a season, that would not mean disaster. That might mean he he earned it. And that's like the kind of pitcher the White Sox need. Mm-hmm. The, uh, I guess the risk there is that like Torres He's righty. He strikes out a lot. He doesn't walk all that much. So he could kind of fall into the same pitfalls as the White Sox lineup is currently constructed. I think he's going to get expensive. Uh, yeah, he's super two. So he's got a couple more years of ARB remaining. And he's already he's already in the second year of ARB. He'll have two more remaining. So the price tag's going to go up. He, he's kind of boomer bust himself. So there is some upside there, you know, 20 plus homer upside. I'm not counting the 38 homers in 2019 just because you look at 2019 numbers as a whole and they're all ridiculous, like the Bomba Squad twins. Any home run column I see jump out, if I see 2019, I go, oh, that year. And I say, like, what did he do the rest of the time? And like 24 homers looks like his, you know, maybe not his peak, but close to it. But like you're looking at like, you know, I would say 20 homer power. And that's fine, but just, you know, it's a case where take him out of the Yankees order, maybe it gets better, maybe it gets worse. So that's, I think, you know, there is enough risk there that the Yankees are escaping to where, like, Hendricks becomes appealing just because there are options with how to handle Hendricks at the end of the year. Whereas Torres, like, if he has a year, like, in 2021, where you're talking, like, a sub-100 OPS plus, less than, if you were then 10 homers, uh, sub-700 OPS you're talking about a potential non-tender candidates or like a guy with no trade value. So it is a fascinating trade to discuss. How do you feel about it when you saw it? I think the White Sox would have a very tough time saying no, just because of the boom potential with Glaber Torres, maybe reuniting him with Eloy Jimenez could, could spark better play. Uh, both were former Cubs prospects, hmm. but I look at the pitcher Clark Schmidt and I really like his stuff. And that's the part that I found interesting to add in with Torres because you're right, Jim. He's exactly the pitcher the White Sox needs. We just had this conversation about how the White Sox do not have the starting pitching depth right now to make me feel comfortable about signing Mike Clevenger. If you pull this trade off, I would feel a little bit better about Mike Clevenger because now you have Clark Schmidt in the fold. And maybe you can pitch him in the bullpen like Davis Martin, but you could also have him ready to go to be that fit starter in case if you do have multiple injuries. And let's face it, you know, Michael Kopech is injury prone and it would be tough to get 30 starts out of him. So right now, when we look at the starting pitching depth, yeah, the White Sox are going to need starts out of Davis Martin. They're going to need starts out of Sean Burke just to get through the 2023 season. And that's just getting through the season. That's just not being successful. So that's why I think if this was actually offered to Rick Hahn, I don't know how you can say no. You save a little cash in 2023, about 4 to $5 million, because that's the difference in salary between Hendricks and Torres. And if, if Torres is still a 100 OPS plus or 95 OPS plus second baseman that just swings for the fences and you get 20 home runs out of him, fine. But I think... The, the real attraction here could be Clark Schmidt. 
and helping build as far as your pitching depth. And that makes your Mike Clevenger signing look a little bit better because now you have that depth that you didn't have when you signed Clevenger. Yeah, I think the one thing with Schmidt that I'm a little bit yeah, reluctant about when it comes to looking at his profile is that he really struggled against lefties last year. So still looks like when you're looking at trying to make a starter out of him that he needs something to get lefties off of him. Right now, it looks like he added a slider last year that he didn't have, like maybe turn more of his curveball into a harder breaking ball uh, to try to get by that way. But sinker slider might be the way to go, or maybe just a case where he's still trying to figure it out. But that's the one thing it looks like if they're trading him, that's why they're trading him is because lefties hit him hard and lefties uh, uh, in Yankee Stadium uh-huh. uh, who hit a guy hard generally do a lot of damage. Yes, so, they do. <laughs> uh, guaranteed right field, though, is pretty friendly to the lefties as well. So I think that would be my one, I guess, the one catch with Schmitz, but that's the case, too, where he might be a work in progress, might be working on that, and maybe they catch him uh, when he's ready to you know knock those numbers down a little bit and become like a serviceable back end of the rotation guy filling in those uh, you know, 120 innings or so that the White Sox could use in the event of uh, Michael Kopech or Mike Clevenger or whoever disaster. Yeah, and Clark Schmidt's not a free agent until after the 2027 season. So you're, you're getting team control of a pitcher for quite some time in Clark Schmidt. So you'll have some time to, to work with him, but he is ready to pitch in the major leagues, whether that's out of the bullpen or you can have him go to Charlotte and try to survive in that environment, but continue to work on developing as a starting pitcher. I like this trade idea. It's nice just because like when you, when you talk about it, like, Oh, Schmidt gives them what they need. Torres could be upside second base. So why would the Yankees do it? It's because, you know, as we mentioned, Torres could be a non-tender type in a year or two. And, and Schmidt just might be like a Vince Velasquez type, just up and down, bullpen starting long relief, you know, not quite a difference maker in the rotation. So I think that's the risk for them. And uh, for one or two years of Hendricks, depending on how well he pitches and whether no, it'd be two years because if they trade him, that option becomes uh, vested guaranteed. So it would be, yeah, it would be two years, but I think, you know, the Yankees would be fine with that. They're used to paying closers and they're used to paying closers who kind of disappear on them. In the case of Roldis Chapman, you're just kind of uh, falling off and, and not being a member of the postseason roster. So they've seen worse from the, their highly paid closer. And I think that uh, they could absorb, you know, maybe, uh, any kind of, um, you know, fragility or just, you know, easier handling that Hendricks needs now that like he's shown that maybe he's not the regular two inning guy. The White Sox thought they might be getting when they signed him. Very true. Well, we'll see again. This is just an idea from the athletic. It's not something that's been discussed. The only other rumor that we have heard outside of Mike Clevenger, Jim brought it up just a few minutes ago, Bruce Levine of six seventy the score that the Chicago White Sox have inquired about the availability of Milwaukee Brewer second baseman Colton Wan, which was part of my offseason plan project because I thought the Brewers were going to buy him out. But as we talked in our last podcast, the Brewers are going to try to save that buyout money and try to get whatever prospects they could possibly can for Colton Wan. And uh, who knows, maybe they are going to continue to tear down as far as the position player side uh, as they have some pretty talented AAA players that are ready to go and contribute to the major leagues i.e. they are cheap <laughs> so they can slash some more payroll <laughs> for the 2023 season go sounds <laughs> go national sounds 
But that will do it for this episode of the Sox Machine Podcast covering Mike Clevenger signing. When we have more details and updates as far as the terms, go to and visit us at SoxMachine.com and follow us on Twitter at SoxMachine as we'll have the latest as far as the signing for Mike Clevenger and additional analysis to come as well. And uh, again, the winter meetings are next week. There'll be more rumors to come as things get built up in San Diego. And there's always big signings that happen during the winter meetings. The White Sox work cannot be done. They've started. They've added to the starting rotation. It's an area that we have been clamoring for that the White Sox must address by signing Mike Clevenger, but they still have more work to do. So let's see what Rick Hahn and the White Sox front office do in the remaining months of this offseason before everybody reports for spring training in mid-February. But thanks for listening to this episode of the Sox Machine Podcast. If you just discovered us, you you can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts, such as Apple Music and Spotify. And if you enjoy your work and want more, you can sign up to become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash socksmachine, where our Patreon supporters get exclusive content. They get ad-free versions of both the podcast and website. And when we have new Socks Machine swag, they're the first ones to receive it. Monthly plans start at $2, or you can save with an annual subscription. Again, sign up at patreon.com slash socksmachine. The Sox Machine Podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com, your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Alongside Jim Margulis, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.